Get ready for the Small Church Shepherds podcast. Small Church Shepherds exist to encourage, enrich, and equip small church pastors and churches. You can find our blog and more information about us at smallchurchshepherds.com. Hey, welcome to join us today. This is Jonathan, and I'm here with Dennis. James couldn't be with us this morning, um, having some uh, work-related issues, I believe. But yeah, hey, I, I think they're having an invasion of cockroaches. Is what I think is happening today. <laughs> and so, um, for those of you that don't know, James's full-time job he he serves as an elder at his church, but his full-time job he works for a pest control company there in North Alabama, where he lives. And so, um, yeah, they had they had a La Cucaracha. Um, insanity. The Cucaracha apocalypse happens. So that's where James is. I'm glad it's him and not me. Uh, oh, I got chill bumps just thinking about cockroaches everywhere. Oh, really? Uh, so you're yeah. like my wife. She sees a cockroach, man, and she is like jumping for the cabinets. And I, well, let me tell you this. I'm okay with like a cockroach that I see. It's the one. Right. It's all the ones scurrying around. I, I had a. Uh, this is a little weird story. All right, I had this girlfriend when I was in high school, mm-hmm. and I went over to her house, and. They had a horrible cockroach infestation. Uh, and, I, and I thought, okay, you know, people have some cockroaches. That's good. But then I, they were like, I was wanting to get a drink. And I was like, oh, yeah, ice is in the freezer. I opened up the freezer. They even had cockroaches in the freezer. Oh. I was just like, I'm out. I'm sorry. Hey, I'll no. talk to you later. <laughs> Call me. I'm getting a new girlfriend. We are done. Yeah. <laughs> my, my petty my petty high school heart, That was I was done. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't have that. I'm I'm a spider guy. If you want to see me squeal like a girl, like you know, my wife will call me just to laugh to come kill a spider because she knows I walk in the room, see the spider, and then I turn around and walk out the other way. I'm like, call one of the kids. I can't do it. So I understand. I have that same problem. <laughs> yeah. Well, we're going to be on the topic today, getting into it on deacon ordination. Uh, why do we do it, and how do we go about this process? Because it's a lot of confusion. I know for me, uh, first time. I mean. Just going, my first ordination was sitting and watching a deacon ordination at a church, and I was blessed to have a mentor that I was serving under. I wasn't a head pastor at the time; I was associate, and so I got to be walked through this process by my pastor. Uh, but a lot of guys get thrown into the pastorate, and they they've never done an ordination, and they don't know how to do this. So, Dennis, why do we do deacon ordinations? Um, that is an amazingly. Uh appropriate question that I, I don't know that I have an answer for. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, you know, really, I mean, as we talk about that, about ordinations, that's a question that I have because, um, you know, when you look at it, it's one of those things that I think um, we've received throughout the years, but um, the way I sort of describe it, there are some things that are unbiblical and anti-biblical. There are things that they are things that we, we, we reject and we pull away from. And then there are some things that I would call non-biblical. And by that, I mean, it's not that they're necessarily, there's nothing spelled out. You don't see in scripture anywhere where you have a, a, um, a service that, that looks exactly the way we do deacon and, and even pastor ordination. And, and so it's, it's extra biblical, but not unbiblical. Extra biblical um, was the word I was kind of thinking of. Too. Yeah. Extra biblical, but not unbiblical. And so when I look at it, I, I think there are some biblical bases that people go to, um, 
I, I know in the book of Acts, when you talk about deacon ordination, they'll point to, to Acts 6, 2, and 3, where, um, you know, they call out, they call to the church and say, appoint for yourselves uh, deacons and then pick from among yourselves uh, those men. And then um, Acts 13, where Paul and, and Barnabas are set apart by the church in that prayer meeting in Acts 13. Mm-hmm. And then Acts 14, where Paul and Barnabas, as they're doing their ministry, they're appointing elders. Um, you know, the, I, I know that's the biblical basis. And, of course, then you get in Titus when Paul tells Titus, appoint elders in Titus 1.5 mm-hmm. and, and, you know, First Timothy. Um, you can look at those. So so I, I, that's why I say I don't think it's unbiblical because I think there is mm-hmm. a biblical basis for it. But the way we do it, I don't think it's necessarily um, mandated well, that way in Scripture. And we have very prominent people throughout church history and even now um, that are – they just don't do it. You know, right. um, One we were talking about before was Charles Spurgeon, um, and he said that since there's no special gift to bestow, why in any case the laying on of empty hands? And he just right. – he just thought it was pretentious is how he saw it, um, right. giving on false titles to people. And so it's 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 not this thing that you definitely have to fall into the category of, man, you got to ordain your deacons. You know, right. it's, it's OK to not do it. But there that's not to say that there's not some uh, of these biblical accounts that lead us to say, well, let's do something similar. And this right. is the way we have been taught to do it. Right. You know, Jonathan, I think there's value, too. And one thing I, I want to say, because I, I don't want to sound like I'm anti uh deacon and pastor ordination. I've been a mm-hmm. part of them. I continue to be a part of them. Um, but I do believe that there are, and what I take what I take my stance on this from is actually going back to Joshua when Israel goes into um, into the promised land. Um, they take God tells them to take stones out of the midst of the Jordan River and place them on the bank as as a remembrance Mm-hmm. of what God had done. So I, I look at, at certain services that are not necessarily biblical in that the biblical the Bible mandates them. I think those things can be important touchstones in people's lives that can be things we can point back to and say, okay, this is when the church said, we appoint you to be mm-hmm. a deacon. And so I don't I think there's value in those things. Well, I think I think back to my own ordination and and I can remember it is so clearly etched in my mind, like moments in there, the questioning of the ordination council, the 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 encouragement, which also served as a time of encouragement. I can remember uh, the pastor preaching over me and then having a time and my grandfather who who was um, he had had stroke and he couldn't really speak. He could just really make some groans and utterances. But when it came time for the ordained men to come down and pray over me because of joy, and I, I, I mean, I have these memories of it that that impact me to this day. That 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 I can go back and say, you know what? A bunch of people who cared for me and loved me and saw my life testified that they affirmed a calling in me um, to do a work. You know, right? No, um, and, and, and I think. No, I think that's what's great about it. I, I, I'm like you, you know. I got I got ordained um, over twenty over twenty years ago, and so you know it was a long time ago. But I still remember the men who put their hands on me, many of whom are gone. 
men who were and and I actually didn't get ordained in the first church I was serving full time like many men do. I mm-hmm. requested that my church I was serving in allow me to go back to my home church and be ordained. And we'll yeah. get into this. I think we're going to get into this question in a minute. Yeah. But um, I wanted those men who had poured into my life to affirm that calling yeah. in my life. Yeah. And so just to have those men who had been my Sunday school teachers and had been um, deacons in the church I grew up in to lay those hands on me and pray for me was so powerful. So so when we say we don't think it's necessarily biblical, we're not saying that it's it's unbiblical, that it's something that you mm-hmm. should avoid, but we're saying that it's it can be a powerful thing, but we don't need to put special significance on something mm-hmm. that is not biblically given that significance. And I think that's the danger. Yes. But just because you were ordained uh, does not make you a special class of, of Christian. Uh, you don't get certain, you know, you're not getting special honors. You know, it's not, hey, look at me. I'm ordained uh, right. or anything. And also uh, something to get in this um, ordination at, at a church, at a local church, is not a universal ordination. You know, right. it's not like you can just get up and move and go to another church and expect people to have the same amount of respect or or treat you like you're a deacon when they don't know you. They're not the ones who ordained you. They don't know that you're qualified or not. You know, um, ordination is something specific. And I think we see that in Act six. It's they didn't go in, in Act six and appoint deacons to go out. You know, they sent missionaries out. What they do in Act six is they said, we need seven brothers here. You know, right. for us um, and and the ones who knew them. That's the reason they called the, the all the disciples together there to 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 pick out amongst themselves. He says, right. therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. So you had the you have the body of disciples picking men, and then you have the the apostles and the and the elders appointing those men. Okay. You know, and let me just say this real quick because I know we talked about this a little bit before we we did the podcast. But as you were talking, and I was thinking, you know, two two instances that might change our minds about that what you just said that come to mind are um, are Stephen and Philip because both of them mm-hmm. were deacons in the early church. And and they left the church at Jerusalem during Saul's persecution mm-hmm. and went out, did exactly what you're saying. And, and the thing that made me think of that was the moment you said, you know, they're not going out and mm-hmm. um, going to different places and having that same authority. Um, that was the only thing that, that sort of hit me. Yeah. Um, was, there's an example of that. And, and so um, that would be one thing that I would think through. Well, and that's a good point. You know, we, we talked about, y'all don't get this before, but, you know, we don't do a, a whole ton of planning going into these. We try to pick out of some topics, and we, before we get to come on the air and start recording, we kind of go over some questions. And as we were going over this, uh, we asked this whole question. We said, well, what's a good question? Well, why do deacon ordina- ordinations? And we kind of looked at each other and we're like, I don't know. What are we going to say to that? And so we had to. <laughs> you are getting the real stuff. 
yeah, you're, small church shepherds. Yeah, and so when we say stuff and, and one of us is like, well, I don't know about that. That's just because <laughs> we are literally, we're thinking, talking through right. this together with you here on the air. So, uh, yeah, no, I appreciate that. It's something to think about, thinking about Stephen and Philip going out. Um, but I, I would just— Let me say yeah. this before you go on. Um, when we sort of talked about this podcast, just to give you guys a glimpse, and you know, we sort of had envisioned um, the group of guys sitting in a in a coffee house having these conversations. We wanted it to feel like that, and often it hasn't because, let's be honest, I, the three of us are not podcast um, <laughs> veterans. We're sort of we're feeling our way through this thing. And so I think that's valuable for you to sort of understand that we want this to be more conversational and we want it to be more like three friends talking through these issues. And so I'm glad that we can do that. Um, But go ahead. What was your your thing you were moving to? Oh, I was just going to say, we we have the the why, all right? It's not that it's necessary. It's not that it is uh, commanded in scripture, but we do see the, the history in God's word of people being appointed. This is our way of pointing them not necessarily the best way or the right way but it's not necessarily the wrong way okay right. um so we're we're just going to go forward with the assumption that hey we do deacon ordinations so right. how do, how do we do it right. how do you go about that process in your church right um for for um my church every church i've been at um which um, I'm moving into a new congregation, so that it, it may be different. But the, the churches I've served in the past, um, what has usually happened is the deacons get a list of all the men who meet the qualifications in Timothy. Um, you know, a husband of one wife um, leads his family well. We can go through those qualifications if you want to. But they they look through the list, and then they present after they've weeded out people men on the list who do not meet the qualifications. They give that list to the church. Mm-hmm. Um, they ask the church then to nominate. Um, if we're going to have two deacons come on, they ask the church, um, depending on the church, either four or six. I've even seen as far, as many as eight for, for two positions to nominate them. Um, the deacons then go back to those well, men. Hold on a second. You yeah. talked about deacons coming on, and that brings up kind of another issue. Yeah. Do some churches, uh, which I'm assuming you're just assuming because that's your situation, some churches do rotations of deacons. Right. Um, Every church and, I've been in has done a rotation of deacons. Yeah. Um, and, and but some churches like mine that I'm currently in, right. it's technically in our bylaws to do a rotation of deacons, but for probably the last 15 years, they've not had enough men qualified in the church to rotate. So we just have a standing set of deacons at the moment. So you can keep going. I just wanted to talk about that. Um, Assuming you're going to have a rotating list of deacons, let's just assume, because that's going to be what most of, especially most small churches in Mississippi and Alabama and Louisiana, where we're in the South, um, where we're predominantly ministering to at this time, which we hope if you're from the North, we would love for you to spread the word about small church shepherds. But predominantly, yeah. we talk about um, in our context, that's what's going to happen. Every every deacon's going to serve for a three-year term. Um, after that three-year term, he's going to rotate off, and um, he'll be off for a year, and then he's eligible to come back on. So what they'll do then is pare down that list to say eight, they'll call those men, ask if they're willing to serve. If they're willing to serve, then um, that list will be presented back to the church of 
um, the, the men who the deacons and the church together say, okay, these are the qualified men who we approve of. And then they'll vote on the um, however many positions they need to fill. They'll vote on that number of men. And whoever gets the highest vote total, those are the men who become the deacons. And so that's generally the way it's, it's worked in every church I've been in. So they go straight from a vote to just being deacons? Y'all, y'all don't do anything in between there? Not in any church that we've ever been in. Um, I've tried to get some churches to do that, um, but generally, um, and, and you know this as well as I do, Jonathan, usually yeah. usually what ends up happening is that year off is just giving that deacon who's going to be back in a year yeah. a break. <laughs> And yeah. so um, they, there's an assumption. In fact, I think when we came uh, to one church, when we had a new deacon, it was the first deacon ordination one church I served at had had in like 10 or 15 years because they had, yeah. had the same group of, you know, yeah. 10 guys rotating in and out. And, so, and, and well, I would say I'm OK with a or someone that has already been ordained, that's rotated off, coming back on, and they've just been selected and going back on. Um, I've even been at churches where they have a in their bylaws, they have a defined maximum number of deacons right. or, or it's a ratio to church families or something like right. that. I forget. It's a maximum. Um, and so they just keep up that rotation, but they don't every year have to vote on it. You know, it's right. just they have a set rotation. But I've also been at the churches that do just like you do. They have put out a list of all the men, um, qualified men usually, um, uh, and then they take the votes. But usually it's what I think we should talk about is what happens when someone is voted in that has never been a deacon before. They've never served, um, yeah. but but the but your church has decided that they want them to be a deacon. Do y'all do what do you do for that? What I do because no church have I I've never been in a church that has a process for training new deacons. I, mm-hmm. Every church I've ever been in because it's it's mostly been traditional smaller churches. The only exception was my church plant. Um, there was no set. Um, this is how you bring along a new deacon. Now. Because of that, what I've tended to do is when a new deacon comes on, I take it upon myself as a pastor um, to to get good books. Um, mm-hmm. I've, I've gotten um, several different books that I give them, and um, and I'll go through it with them. I'll say, hey, read a couple chapters before the next deacon's meeting. Let's meet and talk about the chapters. Um, I'll leading up to when they get ordained um what mm-hmm. i'll do is i'll print off articles um nine marks has always been they've got great articles on on what a deacon does um how deacons should function i'll print off good articles before they're ordained and i'll go take them to the men and say hey you're about to be ordained here guys here's some great articles on what deacons are supposed to yeah. do and so i try to do as much training as a pastor as i possibly can mm-hmm. in a context when there is no formal training yeah. um so that's generally what what i've done is i take it upon myself and 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 um there's some good there's some good books on um, proper deacon and some good articles. Like I said, um, Nine Marks has some great articles. Yeah. Um, Desiring God has some great articles. I mean, there's some great places that you can go to find some great biblically um, balanced, um, faithful um, 
articles and, and, and things on what deacons are to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's generally what I've done. What, what have y'all done, John? Every church I've served at, um, and even churches I haven't served at, but just attended as like a youth, they do full-on ordination councils for their deacons, yeah. um, if they're a new deacon. No, 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 yeah. I, we do that. Yeah. We do that. I'm sorry. Okay. I'm yeah, that's the question. Okay, yeah, no. So we we do full on ordination councils, but a lot of that questioning about the purpose of the deacon and oh. how they're served that gets covered in like this hour long minimum hour long uh, ordination service. Um, but and, those I, are, and, and my my under my my experience, Jonathan, those are very hit and miss on how deep they go. Because I've yes. been to some where there are great questions. I've been to some where it's like, buddy, you're a good guy. You're going to make a great deacon, and it's a pat on the back, and let's go. Yeah. Let's go ordain you. I always make sure that I print out questions, a list of questions, and I give them to all the other deacons and men in the room. And that way, if they don't have a question of their own, they have some questions that they can ask usually. Uh, but we, we use, I normally have a, and I have kind of hodgepodge what my personal practice is that I've like gathered from all the different places I've been because certain churches have traditions. Um, and, and I've either taken them directly or adapted them. Like, uh, talking about training, a, a lot of times you don't in a small church are not able to personally train a deacon. So one thing that I've stolen and adapted, changed, uh, the church that I'm at currently had a system set up of junior deacons is what they call them. And and they were basically like a a year of probation for a deacon where they, they sat in on the meetings. They, they, they had a, a full, a, a, actual deacon who was supposed to be their mentor for the year, but they didn't have voting privileges in any deacons meetings. Uh, and, and then after that year was over, they, they were, um, basically voted on to say, you know, did they handle that year of service well um, and then become. Well, I I like that idea, but I don't like the designation of junior deacon. And so what I've done is, and I've talked to my deacons about this and explained that if we ever do appoint a new deacon uh, or ordain another deacon, this is how we're going to do it. We are going to do a year of mentorship. Right. but there's still going to be a full deacon. We're just going to be very intentional about when we assign a new deacon that's never served before of pairing right. him up with a more seasoned, mature deacon right. um, who can guide them through what he's supposed to do and how he's supposed to serve. Right. Um, Which is very wise. I mean, I think that's wise, and I don't think we do enough of that kind of stuff. Um but as far as ordination council goes, we usually have an hour before the service where uh, right. the, the, the man being ordained, I always encourage him to, because I've not always been at the church very long, I always encourage him if he has any pastors or other deacons in his life, ordained men that have been significant and in influencing them, I encourage him to invite them to a, to the council. Um, and then any ordained men in the church are usually invited to the council. And, and we have a time right. of of questioning, and it's not just questioning of theology, um, because usually they wouldn't have made it to that point if their theology wasn't okay. Um, right. It's more of a questioning of practice, and and a lot of questions that I've seen that have been great questions are when deacons will take real situations that have happened that maybe the general church doesn't know about. Right. And they change the names on it, but it's like, okay, so and so in the church comes up to you and says this. What do you? How do you respond? <laughs> you know, right. like they get real questions and see how they would respond to situations, right? And then take the last portion of it, and everyone goes around the room and gives them some type of advice or encouragement, right? Um, yeah, no, no. To, and and, and I, those have been real special times. Oh yeah, they are, and 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 I think that's 
incredibly important because, um, uh, you know, like you said, understanding how these guys think in those those difficult situations is incredibly important, and and I think it's very instructive. But but if I was going to be honest, I've never seen a man go to an ordination council who's not been approved um, by a church. Never. Um, and, I, and I don't, I've never done seen it either. Now I don't know if that's that's a, 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 that could be because, um, and, and I think it's probably because most of the time. Um, well, let me be cautious with this because I'm not going to say I've never seen guys who shouldn't be deacons elected as deacons. <laughs> I have, um, but yeah. but what you hope is that that means that that God is using His church and that your your church is wise and and they understand deacon ministry and spiritually well, discerning and they're spiritually discerning and they're picking good leaders. Um, often, sometimes that's not the case. And, and, yeah. I, and, I, and I think that goes back to some things we've talked about with James and I in the last session. A lot of that comes back from preaching from the pulpit. Um, I, I think from the pulpit, one way that we, one of the best ways that we can mentor new deacons is by preaching on biblical, mm-hmm. biblically what a deacon is. Because you'll be amazed. I've been amazed when I've preached on deacons to the general church, not just on ordination Sunday. Mm-hmm. How many people in our church don't even know what deacons are supposed to do? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, no, pe- honestly, people in your church don't even know what pastors are supposed to do. No, you don't. know, I, I, I'm, I'm preaching through First Corinthians right now and just talking about awkward sermons, trying to, it's, you might feel awkward saying, well, I don't want to stand up there and, and teach and tell all my deacons, you know, what they're supposed to do because they're going to come and talk to me after service. Uh, I, I, Preach through first, I'm preaching through First Corinthians, and I just did chapter four on how you're to regard elders, and right. I did an entire sermon on how the congregation, congregants, and their elders are supposed to relate to each other, oh, yeah. and how my purpose is to steward the word of God. And I had people coming up to me saying, "I never knew that the pastor was supposed to take." preaching that seriously right i always like they that i've had people come up to me and say i always assumed preaching was just something the pastor did but he was really there for the for the people uh during the week and i was and and they weren't angry about what i preached but i mean man that's an awkward sermon to preach and and so you got sometimes you got to get awkward with your deacons too oh no and 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 i understand that completely i mean and 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 Depending on your personality, I'm not a, um, how can I put this? I, I, I try not to be an ogre. I mean, my wife says that I'm very blunt. Um, she says, you know, I'm the kind of person I say what I mean. And so she says you can become across very blunt. Mm-hmm. But I feel very uncomfortable preaching on cert- certain topics. I feel very uncomfortable getting up there and preaching on tithing, you mm-hmm. know, because I'm like, I don't want people to think I'm telling them, you know, I yeah. don't feel uncomfortable telling them, you know, hey, you two guys are, you, you guy and girl, y'all are living together. You shouldn't be doing that. That doesn't make me uncomfortable. But when I start dealing with people's wallets, I get real nervous. Yeah. And it's the same with the deacon <laughs> body. When, you, when you're sitting up there and you're, you're, you're preaching on deacons, you, you can feel that nervousness, that tension. And maybe it's because, you know, in a lot of churches, um, they're given and we can get on, we can get into the fact that um, whether or not this is biblical or unbiblical and some churches, deacons are even given a superpower to um, let go of staff without even bringing it to the church. Yeah. By the way, I think it's unbiblical. Um, yeah. But, um, uh, you know, you've got that in many churches. And so, um, uh, 
and that goes back to what you said. You know, when we were ordaining deacons, are we ordaining a different class of Christian? And we think the answer to that question is no. Um, yeah. Ordination does not bestow any special honor. In fact, to me, I think what ordination is saying almost is, hey, hey, buddy, get ready because the fire's coming. Um, yeah. Get ready. You're 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 in the firing. You're in the firing line of of the enemy and his his his. Um, his plans to destroy the church and destroy the body, you're in the middle of the firing line now. Yeah. So instead of it being an honor, it's it, it, it's it's an honor in so much as in, in Acts 3, I think it is, uh, when when Paul or, or Peter and, and the disciples were brought before the church and said, quit preaching in the name of the, of the Lord, and they were beaten, and they, they praised God because they were deserving of being persecuted. Yeah. It's that same kind of thing. I also tell them that it's uh, being ordained. It's ordained. It's, it's a setting apart for service. Right. And so, what that looks like practically is when you hear people crum- complaining in the church about things needing to get done, you no longer get to sit beside them and complain, and you no longer get to say, "Oh, well, you should go talk to so and so about that." From yeah. now on, it's I'll take care of that. Yeah. What can I do for you? <laughs> yeah. Instead of being in the group complaining, you, when you're in that group and they're complaining, you realize very quickly you're the one they're complaining about. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Oh exactly. man! <laughs> but uh, but you know that's the truth of it, and I, and I think you know when we talk about ordination, you've got the ordination council. I think it's a great, like you said, I think it's a great thing to get some some great questions, and and there are some great resources online. If you you wonder what are some questions I can ask, um, usually before an ordination council, I do I too have a list that I ask, but I also go back online. I look back over my list. I pull up other guys lists and ask myself hey have I asked this question and, and I try to I'm always refri- refining my list of questions and then also I think um, it's it, it's healthy as a pastor which um, often as James and I said you feel like you're sort of on the outside of most deacons meetings looking mm-hmm. in you're not really a deacon yeah. um, it's healthy for a pastor to be able to say, guys, um, and, and I think as a pastor, it's it's our duty at times to even be willing to say, um, guys, do you really think this guy is is qualified? Yeah. Um, and, and based on their their answers to the questions, and, we really think. And I'm that. like you, I have never been at an ordination where someone did not get approved, but I have been in a group within an ordination with a group of men that I very strongly believe would have disapproved someone I, if they did not answer the questions right. And and I've heard I have. I've heard stories of people who've been in ordinations and 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 and, and they not pass. Uh, but let's move from the council to the actual service. Is there anything in particular? I know I have some things, but I want to let you talk about it first because uh, you have more experience in this than I do. Um, what what do you actually do special in the service in front of everybody in the church? Um, how do you organize it? What's the order of service look like? That kind of stuff. Okay. Well, first, I'm going to forgive you for calling me old by saying you have much more experience. Uh, thank <laughs> you for that. Um, but uh, no, uh, some of the things, some of the elements that I, I think are important. Um, one of the elements um, I think that's incredibly important is the laying on of hands. Um, I think uh, you know, you and we see that sent out Paul and and um, Barnabas. They laid hands on them. Um, I, I do understand. 
what Spurgeon was saying. There's no special impartation of a special spirit. But but I do think when I when I'm laying on a hand, what I see it as is we're praying over this brother mm-hmm. and asking God to bless them. I, I don't think that there's any special power coming out of our hands. Yeah. It's the same as when we send off people to go on mission trips. We'll lay hands on them. Or when someone is is sick, we lay hands on them. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's a special impartation of some kind of power, but I do think that laying on a pan is a very symbolic gesture of us approving them. And, and, and Well, and, laying, laying on hands has been symbolic in the Bible all the way back to right. Leviticus. You know, when they were doing yeah. the, the sacrifices for sins, they yeah. had to lay their hand on the head of the lamb as right. it was being slain. You know, like, so, I mean, it's an it's an old practice. I don't think it's void of meaning, but it, you're right. It doesn't induce some kind of, it's not like we are, you know, uh, I was about to make a really nerdy joke that you're not going to get, so I'm just not going to do it. But it anyways, was, I would probably get it though. Cause I'm a nerd. So, <laughs> but anyways, it, it's not like we're passing on our, our spirit or power to them in, right. in any way. Yeah. Well, but I do think this is interesting. Uh, and non marks, um, and, and some so, some of the show prep I did do. I did do a little bit. Uh, Benjamin Merkel, who's a um, professor of New Testament at uh, Southeastern Seminary, this is what he says when we read Acts fourteen twenty three that Paul and Barnabas were appointed elders in every church in various cities in Asia Asia Minor. The Greek term translated appointed is, uh, and I'm not going to read their um, English writing out of the Greek. If it was the Greek, I'd read it, but I, I'm not going to butcher it. Um, but the, the word comes from two compounds, which means to stretch out the hand. Um, in the classical Greek, the word means to choose or elect. And it mm-hmm. means um, by raising the hand or laying hands on someone. So I think that's when we're laying on a hand, it's not about imparting something. It is about us saying we have chosen this person. It's a way of doing mm-hmm. that. So I think the laying of hands is important. Um, to me, like any any biblical service, uh, back to um, you know the whole context of um, what's to be included into Christian worship, um, the regulative principle. I think you you should have the reading of Scripture, you should have the singing of Scripture. Mm-hmm. I think you should have um, the displaying of Scripture, which I could say that the laying on of hands is a picture, even though it's not an ordinance. Mm-hmm. I think it's displaying of we are choosing this man, displaying of what's said to do mm-hmm. um, in Acts 6 and in Acts 14. Yeah. Um, and then I always give them Scripture. I know most men in our church have a Bible, mm-hmm. but I think there's something special, and I and I love seeing our deacons who, when I've been the pastor of a church, bringing their um, uh, MacArthur Study ESV Bibles that we give them to church because you see that big black Bible that they've got and the pride that they have of that Bible, mm-hmm. and, and to them, it is me trying to, in part, when I give them that Bible, I tell them, I'm giving you this Bible. One of the things I say to every deacon, I'm giving you this Bible because I expect you to use this. And this church expects you to use this and that impartation of the word. So those are some of the things um, that we always do. And and also uh, one thing I try to do is I try to have a special prayer for the wives of the deacons because, um, you know, when you call the man, 
your calling, even though his wife may not do ministry and, and we can get into, you know, deacons and deaconesses in another podcast, but, but that wife is called, I mean, it's just like yeah. with pastor. Well, she's, she, a lot of times she's going to serve with him, but a lot of times she's just giving him up. She, right. you know, there's so much when he is having to be more involved, go into meetings, being in people's homes, going and serving. It's just like with the pastor's wife. There's so much that when you, when you are ordaining or becoming a deacon or an elder that your wives, yes, they serve with you. Yes, they are called with you. But a lot of times it's just a giving up of part of you, right? You know, giving absolutely. up of that time. And that's tough. Right. Absolutely. And so that, that those are sort of the elements that I, I make sure are a part. Now, of course, you have the charge and you have. Well, that's what I was going to get into. Yeah, yeah. Get into a charge, which is but but all of my charges I mean, I'm going to be honest to you. All of my charges are a, a straight exege- exegetical sermon from the text. I, I don't change the way I preach just because we have a special service. Yeah, um, I exegete the text, and so I think that's valuable. Well, there's, there's really the way I have been taught to do it. Uh, there's two charges that usually are right. given in, in right. a ordination service, whether it's a deacon or an elder. There's a charge to the church right. and, how, Absolutely. And, and how they are to support and and pray for and encourage and submit to the leadership of an elder or or, or whatever the situation is. But then right. there's a charge to the deacon or the elder and how they are to serve and be humble and, and to encourage and, and give them their list of duties. And, and I agree with you. You just not, It's not a special sermon that you just keep typed up up that has no basis in scripture. You, yeah. you exegete the text and there's plenty of places um, to go to for this kind of thing. Um, also, it's something to think about. Sometimes one person preaches that and then sometimes whoever's being ordained, I like to give them the choice. Um, sometimes you have calling a guest preacher and that's personal to, to right. the person being ordained. And so like me as pastor of our church, I would do the charge to the church, but then I would let the the person who has some, this, this pastor who has right. some significant influence in this deacon's life or this, this new elder's life, um, I would let them give the charge to the individual. Um, and, and that's just something, like I said, not like it's prescribed in scripture, but it's something that I've experienced. It's something I've seen done and I know is, is powerful. Um, and so I like to do that. And and a lot of things we do, Jonathan, are, are, are meaningful without necessarily being, laid out in scripture. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I don't think Jesus, as long as we don't rise them to the point where you have to do this or it's not an ordination, yeah, um, then it becomes like a, a, a um, an ordinance without the title ordinance. Mm-hmm. And, and that's when we get into problems is when we make these things um, prescriptive and you have to do them or you're not doing ordination right. That's mm-hmm. when you get into trouble. Um, and, and, and when you begin to make these things, the laying on of hands and you're, you're putting your hands on them and you're saying, we're going to give this man the Holy spirit. No, this no. man already has the Holy spirit. Um, yeah. we can pray God, allow him to, you know, I, I'm even very cautious about praying anytime, you know, fill us with your Holy spirit. What I always pray, God, let us sense your spirit more. Yeah. You know, change us. It's always about, it should always be about change us, not change yeah. God. 
We well, don't change I, I'm the same way when I pray about God's presence somewhere. Yeah. I never say, Lord, come down. Lord, let I always say, let us be aware of your presence, not Lord, let your spirit come down and be with us. <laughs> Hashtag my un, unpopular opinion. That is why I don't like the song, song Holy Spirit, You're Welcome Here, because yeah. I think it's present, present, uh, pretentious. We don't invite the Holy Spirit anywhere. He yeah. goes where he wants. We yeah. say, Holy Spirit, let us fill you here because he's already there, buddy. Yeah. And um, I think that's it. I think it's the same way with our deacon ordination. So send me send your send your text to uh, Jay Greer. At, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No. Any any angry rants? Just go ahead and send them to smallchurchshepherds at gmail.com. We'll gladly read them and laugh. Uh, yeah, we will, we will, and we may even post some of them on Facebook. So yeah. Uh, well, anything anything else you want to add to this? I think we've pretty much covered it. Yeah, I, and like I said at the beginning, um, just because it's not, and I've said it several times, but I just want to reiterate it, just because it's not prescribed in Scripture does not mean it cannot be done. I think ordination services are powerful and they're beautiful. I think they're good things. I, I don't think they're, they're necessary, but I think that they can be, they're special in how they affect us and how they affect the man who's going to be a deacon. And, and it's a good way to start off their ministry or the man who's going to be a pastor. It's a special thing for them. And so I think they can be good things. And so that's just sort of where I land with them. Um, I think they're, they're, they're very good things in the church if yeah. done biblically and if done in the with the right mindset and, um, you know, the right focus. All right. Well, hey, I just want to close this out with a few comments about some changes that have been going on with the podcast. Um, recently, we have changed over to a new host. We are now hosting our podcast with Anchor.fm. Uh, this allows us to do a few different things. Number one, um, it helps us get better analytics on on who's listening and things like that. Um, and the second thing it lets us do is it helps us to monetize our podcast. You may have noticed if you've been listening that there's been an ad at the beginning Um for Anchor. Uh, this is just an attempt. This is not an attempt for us to just get money in our pockets. Um, we really have hopes for the future of this ministry, but a lot of those hopes uh, require money. And even things like microphones and software, uh, we've just been paying for these things out of our pockets. Um, but we would like to buy some things for, for the podcast and for the ministry that just would require a little funding. There's also a way, if you go and look up our podcast at anchor.fm, um, you can become a monthly subscriber to our podcast for as cheap as 99 cents. Um, they have three options, 99 cents, 499 or 999. And I'm not going to beat this horse every podcast, uh, but I did want to get this information out to you as our listeners. What you got, Dennis? Uh, yeah. And let me just, uh, speaking about that, speaking about things we want to do, let me just sort of share some things that you, that we are going to do that would help some of you maybe want to, to give. Um, we are right now we're on WordPress with our website. Um, we would like to move that over to a more professional website. Um, we're about to do some weekenders. We're about to start getting ready for those. Well, there's some promotional materials that we need to get ready um, for that. And so those are, um, you know, all of those things cost money. And we don't mind putting money into the ministry, but we would love to have some gospel partners come alongside us so that we can make those things a reality. Yes. Well, that's that's it. Hey, thanks for joining us. If you want to contact with us throughout the week, remember our blog, smallchurchshepherds.com. Uh, check us out on Facebook at Small, Chep- Small Church Shepherds and on Twitter at Small Church. Is that what it is on Twitter? No, Shepherd Small. 
Shepherd Small, yeah, go to Shepherd Small um, on Twitter. We'd love to hear from you. If you have any ideas for topics that you'd like us to discuss, any pushback on this episode, because we obviously have admitted that we don't have this all figured out, uh, any correction or pushback or thoughts we didn't cover, please let us know. Send us an email uh, at smallchurchshepherds at gmail.com or send us a message on Facebook. That's a great place to reach us. Yeah. Um, but thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.